0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Show me the money. Show me the money. Yes. The money. Oh, I see it. Show me the money. Come on, give me your best. Give me your best. Show me the money. You know that's not
0: him, right? Hmm? You know that's not him, right? What do you mean? I'm just
1: <laughs> Come on. You got to give me your best one before I let him into the Zoom here. No. Come on. no, nope. Do it for the people. Nah. Show me the money!
0: I thought you were an actor, man. Come on. You got to do better than that.
2: Show me the money!
0: Dang, that was it. That was it.
2: <laughs> you should be a
1: director.
0: I mean, I just... I take people's uh, play to the next level. So. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you now you're acting coach. You're welcome.
1: Uh, Lee Steinberger is waiting to enter the Zoom. Let me let him in here.
0: Yeah, don't do a Walter Jones and have him ghost <laughs> us. <laughs> Hello, Lee. What's happening? There he is. <laughs> How are you? Please. Very I cool. You. How are
1: you?
2: <laughs> We're great. We're great. Hey, thanks for doing this. My pleasure. Sure. I remember once... Uh, um, I was doing Kenny Easley's contract and the Nordstrom's owned the team. Uh And he said, you just took all our money and uh, blah, 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 Uh, you, you just destroyed the franchise, took all our money and everything. And I said, you know, whatever incremental fee I might get for doing this contract, my wife Morden makes up for by shoving at your stores. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wasn't sure where we were going with that one. Well played, <laughs> sir. Well played. <clears throat> so
1: let's let's start the show here officially, guys. Let's get this crowd going. Now, come on, get him up, get him up, get him up. On, on three. One, two, three, oh. Lofa Tatupu is up in the mix.
0: Go Hawks.
2: I'm just about that action, boss. He takes a
0: snap. He's going to throw down the middle. What a catch. It's intercepted by Lofa Tatupu. Oh. Play football now. It's gonna work now. Let's keep playing. Oh, ah. Has no fun.
2: No ah. player. Trouble playing. Thunder. All one. Ready. Russell looking. Russell scrambling. Pump faking. Still looking. Now he spins out. We got a five baby. forty. Down the far sideline. He's still moving. He's gonna go. And eight, 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 Twenty. Ten. They do it again. Touchdown! 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 Touchdown.
0: Seahawks! <laughs>
1: Uh, It's the Seahawks podcast on the Believe Sports Network. I am Seahawks superfan Brett Davern. He is Seahawks legend Lofa Tatupu. And we're very excited because joining us on this episode is super agent, uh, the inspiration for the movie Jerry Maguire, uh, Lee Steinberg. Um, I mean, Lofa, 64 first-round draft picks. That's just in the NFL. Um, That number might have changed after I've looked this stat up, maybe. I don't even know. I don't know. 11 Hall of Famers. Is, are those numbers right,
2: Lee? Well, it's now 12 Hall of Famers.
1: Ah, see? <laughs> oh, wait, he just got another one.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it uh, keeps growing. I forget if it was, I think Edger and James
0: went yeah. in last year. Yep, yes, he did. A the former teammate of mine. Right. Edged, incredible incredible guy
1: man i mean what a career you've had lee i mean over four decades in the business um just you know hall of famers everywhere big clients i mean you had your first uh number one overall draft pick in terms of the nfl when you were just 25 years old is that correct
2: yes i was Jeez. um I, I was at berkeley uh, in the 60s and early 70s and um I'd been student body president. I learned everything I needed to know about negotiating from dealing with Governor, later President Reagan. Uh, we'd demonstrate heat down, and uh, so I had to negotiate with him. But I'm a <laughs> dorm counselor in an undergraduate dorm, and they moved the freshman football team into the dorm. It was an interesting dorm. We also had a, so Steve Bartkowski moves into the dorm, who's the quarterback. Rob Swenson, who has a long career with Denver. Um, but we had other people. We had Steve Wozniak, who went down and formed Apple mm-hmm. Computers, so, uh, and a fellow who did Power Bar. But at any rate, Barkowski ends up being the first pick in the 1975 draft, first pick in the first round. And uh, I've, I've graduated from law school. I'm thinking about uh, working for the Alameda County D.A., and uh, along comes Bart in early 1975 and asked me to represent him. So there I was, brimming with legal experience, <laughs> never having practiced. Wow. But And they didn't have the right of representation then for players. So uh, a, there's a famous story where Jim Ringo comes in to see Vince Lombardi with his agent and Lombardi asks to excuse himself for a minute and he comes back and Ringo says well can we start talking he says no you want an agent i just traded you to the Detroit Lions so teams would just hang up the phone when they dealt with agents oh, but wow. Anyway, Bartkowski became the first pick in the first round with the Atlanta Falcons. There was a World Football League competing against the NFL, and uh, we got the largest rookie contract in NFL history. So we arrive in Atlanta, and there are police lights flashing in the sky at the airport the night before, and a crowd pressed up against the police line, and the first thing we hear is, We interrupt the late news to bring you a special news bulletin. Steve Bartkowski and his attorney have just arrived at the Atlanta airport. We switch you live. Well, uh, I knew we weren't in Berkeley anymore.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no Uh, kidding. Oh my gosh. I'm sure you have a thousand stories like that yeah. uh, over the years. Uh, let me get in a quick word for our sponsor here, betonline.ag, your place to go for online wagering experts. I mean, the NFL draft is right around the corner. Uh, NBA's in full swing. MLB's going strong. The UFC's back at it. If you want to place some wagers on anything in the world of sports, it's betonline.ag. Use our promo code...
0: Believe, B-L-E-A-V. For
1: all of the welcome bonuses when you sign up at betonline.ag. I mean, speaking of NFL draft, guys, uh, let's get into it. Um, Lee, if you were a betting man, I, I, I'm assuming you're taking Trevor Lawrence uh, as he's going to be the number one overall pick, yeah?
2: I think there'll be a run on quarterbacks. Um, we, this is the year, 1983 was the year where they had six quarterbacks in the first round. Uh, we could see the same thing there and remember what happens is that like the year I had Troy Aikman there were higher rated players on the board but it's become with the advent of the modern passing game such a quarterback centric sport Mm -hmm. it's impossible for a team to get to and win the Super Bowl without a franchise quarterback so let's define that as someone that you can build around for 10 to 12 years, someone that a team can win because of, rather than with, and most importantly, someone who in adversity, he's thrown a couple interception. The crowd is starting to boo. The game's getting out of hand. The center's looking at the quarterback decision-making like he's on hallucinogenics. (laughs) um, And Um, what does he do now? What does that franchise quarterback do? Can he compartmentalize, adopt a quiet mind, Mm -hmm. tune out all extraneous things, and elevate his level of play in that critical situation? Because about a third of the games are blowouts, but two-thirds of them are now coming down to the fourth quarter, and some of them the last Mm -hmm. drive. Yeah. So without this player, and so the – the common thought is if you're anywhere near a position high enough in the draft to get one, you better do it now. And if you're not, you better think about trading up. Mm -hmm. So these players all get pushed up. They may not be um, as good as uh, uh, a Sewell, uh, but they may not have this ranking numbers or the tight end that everyone's hot on. But, but, the quarterbacks get pushed, so I could see very quickly uh, going off the board Lawrence to Jacksonville, and then the Jets have made it pretty clear that taking Zach Wilson, mm-hmm. they haven't made it clear, but their actions have made it clear. Yeah, And then you've got, you know, Mac Jones and Justin Field and Field, Trey yeah. and the rest of them.
1: Yeah. Lofa, I mean, talk about that from the athlete's point of view though the the quiet mind the compartmentalization because you know you were the quarterback out there on defense I mean how aware of that are you guys is that something you guys practice I mean
0: well no I mean I think that's that's a skill you develop and you um you know that's one that I hung my hat on was that like like Lee said can this guy can we win because of this guy not just because he's our quarterback and we have all the talent around him and and that's the one I think that, you know I wanted to ask Lee is that um you know when you see all these quarterbacks get these you know enormous contracts you know how long do you wait into that contract or you know what's this like what's the communication between you and the team as we know because because Brett um, about very hot topic over oh, the oh you want to get course. right are you going right to Russell I'm Wilson? To i was gonna I'm going to talk draft for a while. Yeah. Oh, you want to go? Okay. We no, go you no, are,
1: no, you're bringing it up. Let's jump into it.
0: Well, because I was just asking about the, you know, the, the winning with a guy or, you know, because he's our mm-hmm. quarterback, that's why we're winning. And we right. have one of those guys that is that guy. And right. so in this situation that we have here, uh, you know, what, whatever happened in the off season and uh, you know, don't want to get traded, but here's four teams. Have you ever been in one of those situations where, well, the thing that confused me about, um,
2: Russell Wilson's comments um, were that it's just good f- franchise uh, uh, etiquette to talk to the starting quarterback about all his impressions, how he thinks each player did on the offensive line, the receivers, the running back, what he thinks the play calling, and so um, Russell Wilson's got to the point where. He is the franchise quarterback. He's been there long enough that that he ought to have an open door to uh, the general manager, who's really a good general manager. He's great, yeah. And, um, and he ought to have an open door. And Pete Carroll's someone that's easy to talk to. So um, I used to sit with like a Steve Young, and we'd sit with – Carmen Policy, who was the head of that team, and we'd go over what free agents that he thought, you know, would be helpful. Oh, wow. And Troy Aikman used to talk to Jerry Jones. So mm-hmm. this is just a normal process. Um, they should want Russell Wilson's input on everything. They have the final decision-making power, but the point is is he It's like Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz, so slippers have always been on his uh, feet, you know?
0: Well, well, because with with that size of that contract, you know, we are now in this together is what you're saying. It's like, you know, it's not,
2: Exactly. That quarterback plays such a critical role, and he's the person on offense just as you would be on defense who can can explain to a GM – Here's what I see mm-hmm. in terms of this this player's performance, in terms of the uh, defensive game plan or offensive game plan, in terms of our scheme. Here's what's working. Here's what's not working. Here's what we need to uh, need to do, or what if we tried this? Well, so, with
1: with your expertise, I mean, how do you th- see this thing shaken out with Russ and the Seahawks?
2: That, that that Russell will assume his rightful place, um, and have all the input he wants. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, we, we kind of talked before on this show, and we've had former or um, other guests on uh, past episodes talking about how it, it kind of feels like this upcoming season for Russ and the Seahawks is is going to determine a lot. You know, I mean, if they're able to go far, like we all want them to, maybe they'll be able to get past this whole bump in the road. But I mean, if if they go out in the first round of the playoffs again, a lot of people are thinking this might be it for Russ in Seattle. Would you agree with that?
2: You know, what's been interesting about this offseason is the fact that you look at someone like Deshaun Watson prior to what's happened since, but look at Deshaun Watson and then the fact that it was so public that he wanted to be traded. Mm-hmm. The best way, if you want to be traded, to to conduct yourself is not to say a word publicly. Yeah. Because the minute that a player says that he wants to be traded, if Lofa said publicly in the in the you know Times that, that he wanted to be traded. Then other teams would know that that the Seahawks had a disaffected player who didn't want to be there, mm-hmm. and they'd be brutal in terms of what they'd offer. They wouldn't offer Lofa's, yeah. uh trade value. They'd offer. They'd just say, "Well, we'll just wait because you're not going to play for you anyway."
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Um, and so the best way is to have nobody know that you're uh, disaffected, and keep that to yourself, and and see if there's a way to get. Uh, to get moved. But um, football is, even though you saw um, uh, the Stafford golf trade and even though you saw Carson Wentz in general, um, and I can't speak for Russell, but in general, a franchise quarterback is going to want to stay with that franchise Mm -hmm. um, because he's got roots down and, you know, he's been there. And so, until the very end of their career, you don't see a whole lot of shifting in football at that position like you do in baseball or the NBA.
1: Yeah. Let's talk about those roots for a second, because I've heard you in other interviews. I mean, it's important uh, for you, I think, that your clients are involved in the community and give back. And can you talk about why it's important for you to represent people like that?
2: So my dad had two core values, which were he raised us with outside the spiritual ones, which were. Um, treasure relationships, especially family. And second, try to make a meaningful difference in the world and help people who can't help themselves. So in that first experience, when I saw the athletes were the movie stars and celebrities, I thought, what if they went back and retraced their roots and went to the high school community that helped shape them and set up a scholarship fund or work with the church or Boys and Girls Club? So over a hundred of our players have done that. At the collegiate level, the alums primarily relate to the college institution through the football or basketball program. And so doing something on that campus where we referenced Edgar and James a while ago, he endowed a full scholarship at University of Miami. He stayed close to them. Troy Aikman did a full scholarship at, um, at UCLA. So it's a way of paying back, but also networking to get the relationships for second career. And those alums can be invaluable. At the pro level, we challenge each athlete to find something in their own life that bothered them that they'd like to tackle and then put a charitable foundation together. So with the leading business figures, political figures and uh, community leaders. So for Ward Dunn, the former running back, that is a program we did called Homes for the Holidays, where he's put the 175th single mother and their families into the first home that they'll ever own. Um, Patrick Mahomes has 15 in the Mahomes where um, he helps with um, at-risk youth and, and uh, that. Tua Tongo Loa is uh, just announcing a new foundation. So athletes can can play a powerful role in targeting all sorts of problems. And you can also have athletes do things like what Lennox Lewis did when I worked with him as a boxer. He cut a public service announcement that said, real men don't hit women. Mm And that could do more to trigger um, behavioral changes in rebellious adolescents than a thousand authority figures ever could. Mm -hmm. Or Oscar Oscar De La Hoya, who I worked with, of Steve Young, prejudices foul play. So you can tackle any kind of problem in the world, whether it's um, bullying or racism or uh, uh, domestic violence or sex trafficking or the environment and put sports in the forefront by using the power that we have.
1: And what about not just the athletes that you work with, but also just the the people that you work with, the coworkers, people who work underneath you, other agents and things like, um, is this also something you're trying to inspire in them or talk to them about? Yes.
2: So we have a um, uh, uh, new CEO, Chris Cabot, who does a terrific job. And um, he's been active And we ask each player in their own time, in their own way, to to think about what they can do. The real enemy for athletes is self-absorption. You know, living in a little athletic community. And we try to get them out in the community networking. So they spend five minutes talking to someone. They get their card. They write on the back of the card. And I've been really excited about the opportunities for this generation. So Warg Dunn is an actual owner of the Atlanta Falcons. He owns a small piece. We had Deron Cherry would be an example, played defensive back, retires, gets the Anheuser-Busch distributorship in Kansas City. And then I introduced him to Wayne Weaver and he becomes the first retired player in years to become an actual owner. So it can be media with uh, Troy or Steve Young or Desmond Howard uh, doing college game day. It can be Bruce Smith, the retired sack leader, yeah. uh, has a construction company and owns part of a big luxury hotel in Washington, DC. So for this generation, if they u- utilize the off seasons uh, at thinking about the future um, and start to network and bond with alums and bond with, uh, people in, in their, uh, uh, so you'd ask what are the businesses of Seattle? Well, if you ask what the businesses are the 49ers, they are in Santa Clara. So it's high tech mm-hmm. and venture capital. Yeah. So it's not by chance that, that Brent Jones put together a multi-billion dollar hedge fund, to retired tight end of the 49ers. So, um, and uh and it's fun uh uh we, we now have this new concept called nfts right <laughs> I know. and, and these? we did a, a a event for patrick mahomes a couple of weeks ago and he sold uh sold 3.4 million uh dollars of them in about 20 minutes wow and um they don't exist except except that you collect them yeah. on your computer. Yes,
1: it's just interesting for me to hear. Like, I mean, you've negotiated. I think Wikipedia says like three billion dollars worth of uh, these sports contracts, but it goes much you know well beyond that. It's not just the contracts and negotiations with the teams, but it's everything else that these players get into afterwards. Well, and
2: and so you're, the point is branding. Yeah, how many people out of a hundred uh, can uh, uh, say the name Lofa Tutu, And if they can say that name, can they identify that he was a football player played for uh, Seahawks? And if they can do both of those, do they have a positive impression of him? And it then that's Q factor. So the currency today in endorsements and, and everything else is how many followers you have on each mm-hmm. of those social media. And so helping a player brand is important. And and then looking out uh, for the future, we did a project with Mahomes where he um, puts on a headset and you put on the headset and you become Patrick Mahomes in Arrowhead Stadium. (laughs) And you can see the defensive, you can see the Tatupus of the world coming on him. (laughs) You can see... cool. they hear the crowd noise and uh, it's the realest uh, experience you could get.
1: Yeah. And speaking of brands, Lofa's brand is Zone In CBD. You guys can get it at zoneincbd.com or Bartel Drugstores up there in the Pacific Northwest. And so on the show, what we like to do is you know, really zone in on some things here. Lee, let's go back to the draft here. For that a second. was a very good segue. Thank you. I'm getting better and better at this thing. I'm trying. Uh, let's go back to the draft, though, uh, and, and really zone in on it, because let's talk about our Seahawks. I mean, even if they had a first round draft pick, they probably wouldn't use it. They always trade out. But I mean, what do you see our team doing here? Where are some areas of need and, and who do you think they go with?
2: Well, what are you seeing as your chief areas need?
1: Well, Ofa, what do you think? I mean, we're t- we're always talking about the lines, both offense and defense. But
0: yeah, I think we're 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 set at the skill position. I think it really is. And but you know, it's rare to find uh, you know an effective you know pass rusher or you know offensive lineman. We got we got pretty lucky last year getting Damian Lewis from LSU um, in what the third round, I think. But it's very rare that you find those guys. You can find skilled guys later in the draft that they didn't run too well, or they're too short, and and uh, and they're too slow, whatever. And you could find those guys, and they'll make your team, um, you know, because they are—they're just football players. At the end of the day, you got to play football. Uh, so you you, you make
2: a, a really important point, which is in modern scouting, there's great emphasis on the testables, right? How fast a forty you can run, vertical. Uh, broad jump, uh, three cone drill, and lifting. It doesn't focus on whether or not someone has a nose for the ball defensively. Um, you know, we had a, I remember we once had a player named Lance Briggs, and he couldn't Wrong run the time. fast 40, but you knew oh, that he man. was going to be good, or we had Jam Brown. And the point is, they just have a nose for football and you can't measure work ethic and you can't measure heart and you can't measure all of those things in the testable.
0: So teams make mistakes all the they time. They miss all Long. the time. How did you find Lance? I got to ask. Cause Lance um, mad about the pro bowl. Always loved his game. Right. Great dude. We, um, uh, he was coming out of school at the university of Arizona. And so
2: it was just in the draft, and I remember he got drafted in the third round. But you knew he was going to be a, yeah. a really incredible uh, player. Um, and uh, but but to your question, Brett, yeah, four positions are now at the premium. Quarterback, always you have a quarterback. Left tackle. Um, who protects it yep. in blindside? somebody can put the quarterback on his back
0: or edge rusher edge rusher, yeah. and
2: then then a, a defensive back that could do what kenny Easley did for the seahawks which oh, yeah. was he was one of the last defensive backs ever named um defensive uh player of the year because he shut down one side of the field so that's what you're looking for yeah
1: yeah uh yeah i I don't really know what they're gonna do here, Lofa. I think it's gonna be interesting, man. We know they're gonna be wheeling and dealing though that's for sure,
0: yeah, and we're <laughs> not a few we're not so many pieces away from the title run. Right. twelve and four last year, won the division, early exit, unfortunately in the first round, but we're not too many pieces that i I could see them going all out this year, maybe trading you know a couple to get into that first and second round, trading a couple of future picks mm-hmm. or even you know um so you know john's always the one thing he's always done even when i was coaching for him is surprised me (laughs) he's always traded out when i i thought hey we got a guy we can get right now uh he's not going to fall to the second round and of course he's known he's known the value of the player and where the the market you know predicts him and he's traded out and gotten that player at a a lesser spot it's been incredible it
2: brings up an interesting point, which is that people think it's all about players. But the truth is, if I had a draft, I would draft owners, general managers and coaches um, because they're the key. So Seattle is always in the hunt. And the reason is great ownership. John Schneider is is really astute. And and Pete Carroll. Yeah. And so the point is they're always going to do smarter things. They're always going to be well-considered. They have a plan. They know the team they want and how to execute it. And so they're perpetually going to be there. And, you know, having those fans doesn't hurt either because uh, last game I went to before the pandemic, uh, my ears were ringing for a couple of <laughs> weeks later. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, right. c- can I ask you th- something then, Lee? Because you you deal so closely with all the players, obviously, and Lofa and I are always having this conversation on this show because there there seems to be a problem or or some a situation unique to our Seahawks sometimes, which is when star players leave, they leave kind of angry or upset, seemingly. Uh, you know, notably Earl Thomas giving the bird to the sideline and things like that. I mean, for how great Pete and John are and how much we trust them as fans and all that kind of stuff, is there
2: something? in their
1: relationship with players that's off sometimes
2: i don't really think so i think that the circumstance dictates mm-hmm. so if you have a proud veteran player and all of a sudden he's asked to take a pay cut or he, he doesn't get the contract he wants um that hurts yeah and so yeah. um and I think Lofa would tell you it, it's not so much the actual amount of money. It's not like if he got an extra $30,000, he'd say, oh, I can buy a Winnebago or put a roof on my house. You know, they're making much more money than that. It's about how their are salary uh, w- with similarly situated players. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Lofa is going to look at, well, you know, here's the other, yeah, yeah, you know, linebackers, blah blah blah. From and what you're,
0: you're asking me to do, and this yes, is like exactly. market value. A, yeah. You're gonna
2: look, you're gonna look at comparables. You're gonna look at and say, you know, I have more tackles than this guy, more assisted, more unassisted, more hurries, more fumble recoveries, more this, more that. I've been gone to the pro one more times. Why is he making this? Mm-hmm. And so I think part of it is. It really, it, it affects pride. Right. And so when players leave, I mean, I remember a day when Bruce Smith and Thurman Thomas of the Bills, two Hall of Fame players were asked to take cuts and they wouldn't do it. And I said, you know, we may not get to whatever the figures we're making with another yeah. team. I don't care. Yeah. You know, uh, this team knows who I am, and if they
0: can't pay me, I don't want to be here. Yeah. How much? How much more can the best agent get you? Um, the
2: rookie contracts have a fair degree of slotting. Slotted, too. yeah. So. The truth of the matter is the teams going to max out their cap position and pay the maximum amount of money. There are a few structural things that you can do. You have to pay attention to the tax treatment of a bonus or deferred bonus. Um, you can split money into um, a roster bonus instead of salary. So you get it faster. You, there are yeah. different things you can do, but not much. Yeah. In a veteran contract negotiation,
0: there's quite yeah, a lot to get creative but i'm yeah i'm asking, um you know you look at a lot of these guys going without an agent and i said it was a mistake i said you know you go in and represent yourself you're not going to get your the max deal that you can get i don't care who you are and i mean um my my guy russ Ocum, who i love played with him he went without an agent negotiated his first contract and then a year later it was out of that contract i think it was a four or five year deal was already out of it because of a clause in it, and then hired an agent. And you know, I mean, that's the you, you hire the agent for protection, right? I mean, well, that's, that's what it is. First, let's make this point
2: that when I do a book deal for myself, I use a literary agent, I don't negotiate that deal. But I wrote a book called Winning with Integrity and the Art of Negotiating, but I wouldn't represent myself because, um, uh, for a lot of reasons. So the first client I ever had was uh, Steve Bartkowski. And before the first negotiation, I said, listen, uh, Bart, it's your life, and you're making the decision. So I will tell you everything they say in a negotiation session. Or if you want, I'll just give you the bottom line. your choice, but, but I'm representing you at your life. Oh, I want to hear everything. I want to hear every last word. I said, now just understand they're going to denigrate your talents. They're going to say some things that won't be exciting. Oh, I'm, <laughs> yes. I can handle it. <laughs> so, you know, they said, Oh, we only took you as the first pick because there weren't other great players in the draft. You're,
0: oh, boy. you yeah. know,
2: you're a little overweight. You're this, you're that. Yep. He says, screw them. <laughs> Get me traded. (laughs) I told you not to listen. But Hmm. here's the thing. We do repetitive deals so that um, if you deal with John Schneider once, you'll deal with him 10 times. So the point is you get to the aspect of it where the time to think about the next contract is on this contract and how it will end. So you're trying to set the stage where you have maximum freedom. So you need to be thinking many contracts ahead, first of all, and then you're trying to find the right time to sign a long-term contract when you're just starting to hit, you're just hitting your peak. Right. And so you've got to figure out uh, where that is. And Unlike other professions, we're in a sport. I mean, we're not playing dominoes out there, gentlemen. We're not, you know, playing playing uh, uh, croquet. Yeah. It's uh, so yeah. it takes a horrible toll on the human body, and um, it's why teams are often in a better position because if they offer a contract extension. At the end of the day, it's more money this year, and next year's not promised. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although, if you wait for total free agency, you probably can do uh, an even bigger contract. Well, you know,
0: Lee, oh, I might, <clears throat> I might be an agent. I don't know because when I came in my rookie year, <clears throat> there was a small discrepancy of, of a holdout, it lasted like all of five days or four days. But um, I was a second rounder. And I was confident in my abilities. And like you said, I was focused on getting to the next contract my rookie year. And so the deal was, they're like, we want a five-year deal, not a four. And I was like, no, I want a four-year deal. I want to get to the next deal. Or I want to at least get to the second year and be like, okay. I What was your draft year? 2005. So they're like, you know, five. And they bumped the money up. And I was like, all right, fine. But I want a Pro Bowl clause. And I want a couple million every time I make the pro bowl and and they laughed and I was like, okay, laugh now, cry later. Uh, So by my third year, I had three pro bowls and they already owed me about like five or $6 million. And so I pretty much got my way out of that first contract. So after
2: three years, so, so for our listeners, every rookie signs a four year contract under the current system. And the team can then extend the player after three. First rounders. The team has the prerogative after three years to insist on a fifth year for the contract. Yeah. Um, and, um, so after three, they also have systems now that, so you get drafted in the second round, but you're really a first round type talent. Um, but, your 40 wasn't spectacular let's say that and he remembers um, lofa so the question is how do we how you mean his name like loafer um uh, (laughs) um, yes but anyway we we we, so the whole question is how quickly can we get you out of that first contract and and because you had the um foresight to put the Pro Bowls in there. They were already paying you at a higher rate if they thought about it. And yeah. so they may as well, since they knew you were going to stay motivated, they may as well um, uh, and your defensive leader, they may as well uh, extend you um, in that situation. The problem comes where signing bonus comes in. And um, um, so I can guarantee you I guarantee you that 30, at least 30%, a third of the players drafted next week will either underperform or be busts. It's just been true every single year. Yeah. And second rounders will outperform first rounders. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Um, so even with all of this, look, there's a generalized what makes your initial question about who the Seahawks take confusing is this, there's a generalized amnesty when it comes to truth telling in the week or two before the draft teams are not going to broadcast to the world. What they want <laughs> what their draft intentions was. So, um, you get all the smoke screen and you're not going to get an honest answer, but teams want to sit there on draft night and maneuver around and the rest of it. So look, if, uh, if uh, John Schneider went to uh, uh, his earth uh, left the earth at some point point, goes up and talks to St. Peter and St. Peter at the edge of heaven says, um, I, I have to ask you this one last question. What, was your most heinous sin that you committed when you were on the face of the earth? And he said, well, you know, I misled some people about what our draft intentions were. St. Peter would say, come right in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What if he, what if he says, well, I, I, I let Russell Wilson go to another team. Some oh, you're point. going to hell! <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, um, hey, let's uh, away from the draft. Then let's talk about some of these vets and free agents and stuff. Because there's been talk of uh, Richard Sherman possibly coming back up to Seattle. That's been in the rumor mill. Seahawks fans, I think, want it to happen. Uh, what do you What do you guys think about that?
0: You know, you know in my stance. I would love it. He's a leader. He's, um, you know, he can play the game still at a high level, and um, just what he brings to that that secondary, especially from a communication standpoint, and what he, how he helps with the study habits and everything. Um, you definitely want him in that room.
2: A player like that is always going to have value because uh, not only can he play the position, but he's an inspirational leader and I'm sure a great mentor to younger players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Well, what about um, guys like an Alden Smith, though? Uh, you know, Seahawks just signed him, veteran guy. Everybody's real excited about it. And then a couple of days later, this news breaks of, you know, he's wanted for some charges. Um, same thing happened last year for us with Quentin Dunbar. You know, we had to go through some drama with that. Um I, I, I don't even know if I have a question here, but just Lofa, like, what was your reaction when you saw this kind of happening again? And I mean, it's a bummer, right?
0: I, I think it's unfortunate because especially, you know, um, Alden was a phenomenal talent. Yeah. I mean, you saw what he did to us when he was with San Fran for all those years. And then, um, you know, had some off-field issues, which happens and, yeah. and was actually out of the league for a couple of years or a year and a half or two. And and to see that story of him come back and make it—that's true, like inspiration. And I was so excited for the kid. And mm-hmm. um, and then I don't—I don't know what happened recently. I haven't really, you know, got all the details, so I, I really don't have a stance on it. Um, I just—I hope he's okay and you know able to play the game he loves. I hope hope whatever happened is not serious. You know, yeah. for him and his family, and um, and and he can you know join the Hawks uh, whenever he's ready to. Yeah. So the way we do that as agents is to
2: try to profile players that are prospective clients, and you're looking for certain um, characteristics. You're looking for a good heart, someone who wants to be a role model. You're looking for someone that is a self starter and would probably succeed at anything, uh, even if you weren't uh, helping them. And you try to screen for that, but then none of us would like to be faced with what our worst behavior was probably in college or, or afterwards. So when it happens, the question that you have to ask yourself is was this a one-time aberration that the person learned from? Or has he got recidivist tendencies where he's always going to be struggling? And that is a real question because we don't throw young men on a trash heap of history for one incident that happened. We just, we don't part of, you're dealing with young men who are going through maturation, Mm -hmm. but if it becomes a pattern, then you can't delude yourself that somehow I could cure somebody of alcoholism or drug abuse or, or violence or something else. It's just beyond their power.
1: Well, what about a situation like with Josh Gordon, you know, like Seahawks fans, we've been kind of on and off that roller coaster the whole time, but it's, it's something that, I mean, a lot of people just feel like the NFL have it wrong when it comes to him. What what are your thoughts on that and how the NFL is handling his situation?
2: that you have to remove someone that's got a substance abuse problem from their current environment. Mm -hmm. So I had a struggle with alcoholism. And the only thing that worked for me was shutting down my business, um, uh, shutting down my house and and going off to a 12 step program Mm -hmm. with a unique fellowship. Um, So you have to care about the player as a person and, and, get him help. Yeah. Uh, Difficult. Now, you know, we don't have the power to cure someone's drug addiction or alcoholism. It's an internal matter, but you've got to intervene at that point uh, to help. I mean, there are agents who, if a player was standing on a hundred story building and getting ready to jump he would be surrounded by sycophants and different people that would say, law of gravity doesn't apply to you. Go ahead. You can fly. Um, but that's not my job. My job is to be careful about it, but tell truth to, to, uh, to athletes yeah. and to um, and to have the hard burden of telling them if you think they're making a mistake not just simply being so afraid of being fired, you will um, allow them to be self-destructive.
1: Now, before we run out of time, um, I mean, Lofa and are huge movie fans obviously grew up in the 90s, so big 90s movies fans, and we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you to tell the story of how Jerry Maguire came to be or how Jerry Maguire became you or how you became Jerry Maguire. Or what, what's the story there? I mean, how did Cameron Crowe well, find well,
2: you and all of the above? Well, so first of all, Jerry Maguire is a fictitious character. Let's keep clear on that. Sure, sure. Um, Cameron called me in uh, 1993, and I had seen a movie that he wrote the book for called Fast Times at Ridgemont High, mm-hmm. and which I thought was hilarious. I and I knew he was involved with rock criticism and he wrote for Rolling Stone and he lived in Seattle and he was sort of a big power behind the whole grunge scene. And, and when Seattle went through that period where a ton of rock was coming out of there, um, I mean, they were, it was really a center. Yeah. Um, um, and he lived there. Um, so uh, he said, I want to follow you around. I want to pick up atmosphere for a film that would center on a sports agent. So uh, he started following me in 93. He went to the NFL uh, draft where Drew Bledsoe was the first pick. I introduced him to people. Bledsoe. I, he followed me around. Bledsoe
1: was your client, right? Yes.
2: Yeah. Um, he went with me to Pro Scouting Day at USC. He went with me to uh, the league meetings in Palm Desert where I was walking some free agents around. Uh, he came to games with me, my Super Bowl party. He came to, uh, he sat in my office forever and I told him stories, lots of stories. Um, and then I was also technical advisor, so I had to bet the script to make sure the willing suspension of disbelief the two of you would look at the screen and you wouldn't say that's phony. Right. That would, doesn't look like that. But the dialogue's not like that. You know, it's phony. I mean, there's a scene where Cuba Gooding jr. Or Rod Tidwell jumps up after having a concussion, which is unlikely. But other than that, it was pretty. On <laughs> yeah. Point. But so much I fun. Think I've done
0: that. I think yeah. I've done that. <laughs> uh,
2: the uh, Lofi, you probably have. Um, the uh, so so the key, um, and then I worked with the actor, so I took Cuba Gooding Jr. sitting there behind you down to the Super Bowl that was in Phoenix that year, and I made him pretend he was a wide receiver client of mine. He had that <laughs> going hang out, uh, with the cool. Monty Toomer and cool. Desmond Howard, and wow. pretend he was a wide receiver all weekend i actually had to show the quarterback in the film jerry o'connell how to throw a spiral because he had gone to nyu and they didn't have a football program (laughs) um no but they got a great
1: musical theater department lee
2: right so there was a lot of lights there on the screen and um Although, obviously, I started with the first pick of the draft, so that's not biographical. Um, but I've never walked through an airport for the last 22 years or been out to dinner where someone didn't run up to the table and either say to me or ask me to say those four words. That start <laughs> with show me. the."
1: Yeah, no kidding. How many clients say that to you?
2: Oh, they tease me all the time. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, i'm sure I <laughs> yeah uh
1: I, the last question that i have is just uh why athletes instead of actors uh, or would you ever represent actors or people in different industries
2: so i represented plenty of tv broadcasters as a matter of fact i did the first deal for a woman named Jean anderson with king tv sure. up in seattle yeah and uh, i had anchor my whole life growing up yeah Right. right. So uh, we represent lots of those, but to tell you the truth, I'm a huge movie fan myself. I don't want to know that uh, actor X is really not a good person. I (laughs) want to enjoy it up there on the screen. Um, I mean, I, I know too much about athletes um, and, so I I really wanted to do that. Now we're involved in content supply. So um somebody's different groups are bidding to do a movie on my own life. And so there'll be some of that, but um I wanted to enjoy television movies without knowing behind the scenes that so and so hits his wife and so and so is a drug addict and all the rest of it. So I'll keep that as an area uh, of enjoyment uh and and stay in the world of sports.
1: Lofa, you have anything else for Lee before we let him get out of here?
0: Man, I have like a thousand because yeah, know. you know, just intrigued by, you know, what he's done and what he's accomplished and who he's helped, you know. Um, not just on the field, but off the field. So I want to say thank you to that because you know those are my brothers that you help take care of and, and help build their brand and network. And, um, and I don't think a lot of guys understand that until they leave the game. Honestly, I didn't either. I didn't you know get out there and and meet people. I you know I was I was busy doing charity events. Love that. And I did. By the way, I do have a scholarship for my my high school. So. It turns out, you know, I, I was one of your guys anyways, even though you never represented <laughs> me. <laughs> there you go. Um, we if we have another Polynesian
2: uh, descent player this year uh, from SC. Um, uh, call Noah Hufanga. Hufanga, yeah, yeah. He was uh, Pac-12. Uh, player of uh, the year. De- yeah. Defensive player of the year. So he's
0: going to be another you. No. Yeah. Right on, man. Well, uh, I appreciate all you do, and uh, I can't wait, can't wait for the movie, my man.
1: <laughs> thanks for listening to the Seahawks podcast on this episode, everybody. We really appreciate it. If you have questions, comments, you can hit us up anytime on the email, seahawkspod at gmail.com. Once again, Lee, we know you're a busy man. Really appreciate your time here. And, and thanks for wearing the, the matching shirt with me.
0: Yeah, I, <laughs> was nice I didn't get the memo.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the shirts in the mail, Lofa. <laughs> okay,
1: uh, we break it down, uh, Lee, just like the players would after practice. On this episode, everybody puts their hands in the middle, and we we find something to break it down to. Sometimes we, we when we have a guest, we, we would like our guest to do it. Would you like to break it down to anything in particular? Lee? Um, those,
0: uh, those
2: words. A, a quick end to the uh, pandemic.
1: Yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, A quick end to the pandemic on three, a quick end to the pandemic on me. One, two, three, a quick end to the pandemic. Show me the (laughs) money. I knew he would
0: do it. (laughs) had to. Oh, man. Thank you for your time, Lee. Oh, you're welcome, guys. Stay blessed. You have me at hello, Lee. (laughs) I
2: just see now you could be a client.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early,